Hi everybody and welcome to the Junction Church Podcast. We pray that this message inspires and encourages you. If you would like to find out any more information about us, then please visit our website at www.thejunctionchurch.com. Thank you for listening. How are we all doing this evening? Yeah, it's awesome to be in the house of God. I just, I feel just as such a blessing here tonight. I feel like God really wants to, to move. He wants to speak into people's lives. He wants to speak into people's hearts. I, I feel as if there's a real intimacy to what God wants to do tonight. There's a, there's a precious message that he has that, that he wants to communicate to his church. And so uh, that is going to be my job this evening. <laughs> There we go. So we are continuing the Extra Mile series, uh, the one that we have been doing for the last few weeks. It is a bit of a follow-on from the 360 message where we sort of explored where we, how we are ministers, the, the, the various ways in which we are called, in which we are empowered to minister. And, and then the, the Extra Mile series is, is really sort of an application of that. It's taking that message and, and really finding the power in, in taking that into the world, taking that beyond the limits that we maybe have set for ourselves, that we have uh, accepted for ourselves, you know, exploring our calling to go further than we are sometimes obliged to go. You know, the whole message is about, uh, the whole idea of extra mile is that, that a Roman uh, back in the day could, could ask a, a Jew or, or, or a subjugate of some kind to carry their stuff for a mile. But what if you took that for an extra mile? Once your obligation, once your, uh, that, that process of submission was complete, like you could take it one step further, you could take it an extra mile, and now it is you that is dictating terms. You know, the submission that, that, that you are under is, is, is you're now flipped, and it's no longer about the minimum requirement. We often look for the minimum requirement, but the extra mile is about wrestling away control from those things that seek to subdue us and dictate terms to them. That we are not obliged, but we come with a willingness. We come with a choice. We, we, we give, we minister, we bring the fullness of what God has placed within us to the world out of choice. Out of willingness, not obligation. Submission, not to the, the powers of the world, but a submission that we have chosen, a submission to God on high, that we have a relationship that calls that. And so the, the extra mile represents us dictating terms to the world, uh, ministering irrespective of the expectations that are upon us. And you know what? Sometimes expectations are those things that come from the outside, but we can set an expectation on the inside. We can set an expectation that takes us that extra mile. That extra mile is an internal choice, not one that has been forced upon us. But you know, there's a challenge in that. The challenge is that, that we have an idea. We often have an idea of the outcomes that we seek. We, we often we, we see how we'd like it to turn out, the outcome. And yet we aren't always sure how to realize that. The, 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 the outcome is, is sometimes it's, it's not as straightforward. Life's full of these sort of quandaries. Uh, uh, I, know that, uh, I know that God's given me a brain. And uh, he's given each of you a brain as well. We all have brains. Hooray. And uh, I know that he's given me that brain and I can, I can use it uh, to imagine and to invent and to kind of 
create a world. And, and, and there are times, there have been times in my life where my brain has worked quicker than I would have given it credit for. Yeah. And it has given me solutions that even I'm impressed with. <laughs> even I'm impressed. I remember, uh, I think Pastor Kevin was there. I was doing a best man speech once. And I kind of misspoke my words and might have said something along the lines of that they were getting married because they were desperate. Which isn't what I meant to say, but it's <laughs> definitely not what you're meant to say when you're a best man. At least not a good best man. And my brain, as somebody told me afterwards, it was a bit like being in a plane and all the engines stopped working. And you just started free-falling and my brain just managed to turn it into a joke and it was like the engines came back on again that was probably that was probably my proudest moment of my brain I'm quite imp- I was quite impressed it saved me from utter shame utter shame uh, but there are there are things where my brain it just isn't able to do I can't I I can't make it I can't make it find more time the time that I have I can only use my brain to better steward that time but I can't I can't get it to create more time yeah. I would love it to but I can't I I, I have it I, I can't make it generate new ideas that would sort of create revenue streams for me just brand new completely innovative uh, revenue streams I can only make it better uh, better steward the funds that I have better to better organize them optimize them I, I can only do that I can't seem to be able to make it come up with that grand idea that's going to make me a millionaire uh, I can't make it solve the personality flaws that I have that prevent me from being uh, the, the great friend and father and husband that I feel that I could be there. I, I just, I can only make it manage those problems and hope that as few people as possible <laughs> notice them. That's, that's all I can make it do. I, I remember one time, uh, I remember thinking, if I concentrate hard enough, if I just concentrate and make my brain, I am absolutely sure that I can understand Norwegian. Uh, I, was, I, was, I was sitting on a boat and there were all these Norwegians and I was like the only Brit and they were having these, they were having the the main conversations in English because they were being polite, but they were having the side conversations, which are the really important ones, really, in Norwegian. I just thought, if I concentrate hard enough, if I, if I just focus in on the words really, really, really hard, then my brain will unlock it. I'll see it crack, and I'll be able to open it, and the whole sort of knowledge and understanding of, of, of Norwegian will, will suddenly become clear to me. I'll be able to find this basic framework, and, and I couldn't. I couldn't, as much as I tried, as much as I paid attention, I just couldn't make my brain do the, the outcome that I wanted it to do. And, and that's the frustrating thing with that, is that we have these, these outcomes that we want to see, and yet it's, it's the path to get there that is, that is the frustrating yeah. bit. It's the, it's the bit that's vague. It's the bit that, that doesn't come into focus, that remains distant. It's the, it's the complicated bit. It's the, it's the bit that's complicated. We all have those complications where, where we see the outcome, see what we want to do, see what we aspire to be. But the path to get there from where we are is the complicated bit. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we, we want to take that which we have, that which we possess, and, and make it enough to satisfy and the thing is, it's like an equation that, that doesn't work. We, we take the sum of ourselves, and, um, and yet when you add all those bits up, the, the outcome, there's still like a deficit. 
You know what I mean? Like this, it's like it doesn't quite add up to everything that we need in order to see the outcome that we desire. Uh, Pastor Kevin's mentioned uh, on a number of times this sort of this riddle that uh, Pastor Dave Gilpin will say to himself, like in in moments of sort of uh, meditation or just before he's going to go to sleep. A thousand balls fall out of a truck. How do I catch the balls? Mm-hmm. A thousand balls fall out of a truck. How do I catch the balls? You can't. Like, that's the riddle, but that's the thing. He knows the answer to the riddle, but he keeps saying it because it's a real, it's, it's like a lesson. It shines a light on the limitations that we have. You know, that which we possess is that, that which we are, the capacity that we naturally have. It's, it's often not enough for what we desire to see. You cannot catch a thousand balls on yourself, but, but it doesn't stop you thinking about it. Whatever your thousand balls might be, whatever your outcome that you desire is, we, we still find ourselves focusing on it, and yet it just makes the deficit upon the inside so much more obvious. And yet, while you sit there and I stand here, we know that God has given us a new equation. Mm-hmm. A new equation that we can enter into, but it requires us to rely on something beyond that which we already possess, the resources that we are accustomed to. We're so accustomed to relying on our go-to move. It's our go-to move. Your go-to chat-up line often isn't enough. It often never works. Don't know why it's the go-to. We have these go-tos. We have these defaults. We have these... Things we're accustomed to that we we like to think are enough and yet often they fall short. But God has given us a new way. He has given us a new equation. He has given us a new resource that we can draw upon but we need to enter into. So I'm going to read to you from uh, John 14. Uh, And I'm going to kind of take this through. We're going to go through uh, most of the chapter. And I'm going to just sort of break it up and and just speak a bit into it. And and the whole sort of uh, context to this is that Jesus is the Last Supper. And Jesus is telling the disciples that he's, uh, or he's just told them that he's going to be leaving them. And, but he's explaining to them why that's okay and why they don't need to worry about it. Uh, and then there's their response and his response to them. And, and I want to go through that. I'm going to go through it downwards and explore it. And, and hopefully sort of, I'm giving you the, sort of the insight here so that you don't think I'm mad when I'm going through it. <laughs> but uh, we're going to just sort of explore some of those things that, that we might relate to. Those, those sort of complications when we read the word of God that, that sort of, that, that, that kind of stall us. That make us static. And then we're going to look at what God really means. We'll talk about what God is really talking about in this situation and the empowerment in that. So let's start at the beginning of uh, John 14. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you may also be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Which I think is probably 
where many of us would be. See, Jesus is, what he's doing there, he's, he's not actually breaking new ground. He's, not, he's just reinforcing ideas because he wants to remind the disciples. He wants to encourage the disciples. He, he wants them to know that like in the same way that you believe in God, the same way that you trust him, you could trust me also. That, that, that where I am going, I am going to secure access to the Father. And then I am coming back to establish that covenant with mankind. And though he'll be away, although he's, he's not going to be with them, they know where he is. They know how to get to him. So it's not like he's really leaving them. And yet, despite him saying that, despite him reminding and encouraging the disciples, the kind of response is this sort of looking around going Jesus we have no idea what you're talking about you've only spent three years with us three years every single day you minister to us but we don't understand what you're saying there and so Jesus goes on Jesus answered I am the way and the truth and the life no one comes to the father except through me if you really know me you will know my father as well from now on you do know him and have seen him Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I have been among you for such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? Now, and I'm sure the disciples are kind of going through this sort of mental process I like so I know you and you know him and do I know him because I know you and does he know me because you know both of us it's like there's a bit of like I I'm not sure if I totally get that Here's the, the, the key to all of this. The key, I'm, I'm, given, I'm, I'm sort of showing, the, showing my cards a little bit on this one, but uh, all roads lead through Jesus. All roads lead through Jesus. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And if you don't know him, then you don't have any idea of even how lost and how powerless you are. You, you don't even know that. You're, you're, you're so lost, you don't know you're lost. You're so powerless, you don't know you're powerless. I read this really funny quote this week. It was, uh, it was sort of entitled, A Vision of Dialogue in 2018. Agree with me, or you are a deluded fool. <laughs> Is that not like a very 2018 idea? Agree with me, or you're a deluded fool. Uh, there's, like, there's so much of what we're told. It's not like you're even, it's not a conversation. It's sort of a bombardment of ideas. And we are bombarded with solutions. Solutions are not in short supply. There are solutions everywhere to all of the problems in our lives. But I don't know if you ever noticed the solutions that I hear, the, the worldly wisdom that I hear, it, it often requires like this, when you really dig down into it, when you really get down into the nitty gritty of, of life-changing, altering, uh, reinvention, it often requires this real sort of intestinal fortitude. Like you have to have this like discipline, this cast iron discipline in order to make that thing happen. This, this as much as it might be sort of flowery and, and have all this sort of nice soft stuff on the outside, ultimately change 
under that scenario comes from you just have to get on with it. You just have to have a greater capacity than, than you probably have, which is why often it doesn't work. In fact, I think it's often why they turn into these kind of pyramid schemes in a sense. So you have the people at the top who sort of uh, champion these ideas and then there's sort of the various levels of disciples underneath them that all sit on, under their sort of false god. And uh, it's a pyramid scheme. You pay your money and you give it a shot and the people at the bottom go, well, that was a waste of money. That was a waste of time. Nothing's actually changed, but a pyramid has been built. It's complicated. It gets complicated. It gets so complicated, you just give up. It's like, it's like often we're, a, we're like a tire with a leaky valve. The, the, the world is telling us, you need to keep the pressure up. You need to push the pressure and you need to fill yourself with this, 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 this and this. But you just can't carry it all. It just, you don't have the uh, internal discipline, the internal power and capacity to be able to carry that weight. And so the journey stalls. The journey cannot go any further. The tire cannot carry the weight and it just releases the pressure. But all roads lead through Jesus. Let's continue. The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, It is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. And they will do even greater things than these. Because I am going to the Father. So now it's it's coming back to works. Is this about works? Is that what Jesus is talking about here? Is this all about the works? These are Jesus' works. But they came from the Father. But now I'm going to be doing them. But I'm not going to be doing my own works. I'm going to be doing the Father's works. Who Jesus is with, but I don't know where, but I should. (laughs) And you're like, oh, I'm confused again. I'm confused again. I, I don't understand. I thought there was simpler than this. I, I thought that it, I didn't think it was meant to be that complicated. I, I didn't think it was all about works. And, you know, when, we, when it becomes, when, when we look at it like that, and we, we, have you ever noticed when you find yourself doing all the jobs, it might be in a workplace, it might be at home or something like that, and you feel like everyone has sort of passed the buck onto you and you're doing everyone else's jobs, you you kind of approach it like it's everybody else's jobs. You, 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 you approach it like it's somebody else's work. It's like you're being kind of landed with it. And there becomes this sort of narrative of doubt. It, it no longer becomes a faith action. Your faith is undermined by this doubt. This, was this meant to be me? Is this what it was all about? And you pass the buck a little bit. You, you look to pass the buck. To continue, and I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for for anything in my name, and I will do it. If you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The Spirit of Truth. So now you're kind of thinking, well, now we're getting somewhere. Now, now, now I've got something I can work with here. It's like, if I love him, we show it by following the commands. And if we do that, then we will receive the Holy Spirit 
and he will do all the stuff that we need done. And that seems like an equation that works, right? That seems like... So I take, I do all the things, I tick all the boxes, I do A, B, C, and D, and then the Holy Spirit will come. I'll have earned enough points to get the Holy Spirit. <laughs> and then the Holy Spirit will multiply what I've done, and that will be enough, right? That, that seems like an equation that humans can work with, that, that, you know, we follow the commands, and if we follow the commands, we get the outcome. But hang on. It's complicated again because... I was never able to do the commands in the first place. (laughs) In fact, my inability to fill the commands was why I was here in the first place. Jesus, this is why I came to you in the first place, because the commands were too much in the first place. How can can I be back here? How can it be all about the commands again? And we find ourselves grappling with this. Which is it that came first again? Is it obedience or grace? Obedience or grace? Am I supposed to be obedient and then it's grace? That doesn't sound right. That doesn't work right. Is it all about the commands again? I remember uh, just before I got saved, in in the spring before I got saved, I got saved in the summer, uh, and I, I sort of decided that Life wasn't that great anymore. Uh, it certainly wasn't what it had been cracked up to be not living uh, with God. And so I thought I would go for like Christian light, diet Christian, uh, which was sort of like trying to be a Christian without, uh, without going to church or really doing anything. But, but at the same time, asking God for stuff. That seemed like the, uh, and a, a lot of lip service. There was a lot of lip service and a lot of monologuing to God, monologuing about the things that I needed. And, uh, but I was, I was trying to right the ship and I, I was would sort of pay lip service to these commands and I would pray uh, out of obligation and I, I recognized the fruits of the spirit and I was like I, I, I hope I could definitely do with a bit of that I'll, I'll tick that box I'll have some joy because I'm in desperate need of that peace would be a good one I'm not sure about the rest uh, and, and so I'll have those ones and I, I, I was trying to sort of earn my way it seems silly I know it does seem silly but but I think we've all been through a little bit of Christian mathematics. A bit of, a bit of commands equals da-da-da. But it doesn't equal anything. It doesn't equal anything. But, but we are grappling with this. And, and I found in my life that just as I tried to do this, nothing got better. In fact, everything got worse. I didn't, it wasn't like I was, I would have probably taken like a 50% improvement. I'd have, I'd have settled for that. That would have, been, that would have kept me happy. I think I had like a 200% loss. I became like, it was like worse than before. I was like, God, what's happening? And, but it was obvious. It was like, well, you're not doing anything for me. You're trying to earn points. You're trying to fulfill some sort of equation that you have in your head. You are being crushed. You are fractured under the pressure of conflicting agendas. The agenda of trying to fulfill the criteria and the agenda of what I really wanted to be doing. My intention being what I actually did, what I actually was about. That's what my actual intention was. To continue. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. If I wasn't confused already, I am now. (laughs) Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. 
The one who loves me will be loved by my father. And I too will love them and show myself to them. I think in our humanity we're left at the end of that going, so hang on. Is all of the love on offer here? All the love in in this verse, all the love in this equation contingent upon me fulfilling commands? That my inability to do in the first place was why I was here. I just don't think that can be right. It doesn't add up. My, my, My capacity doesn't add up to that equation. So maybe it's not about equations anymore. Maybe it's nothing to do with equations. How about the idea that as humans, we often complicate the word of God. We contort it. We bend it. Can't be bent. You might have noticed that. It can't be bent. As much as we try, we're the ones that end up bending. We're the end that end up breaking. We, We try and sort of labor it into this caricature of God's heart but it's it's not representative of him Mm. pastor Kevin put it really well this morning Uh, he talked about the striving for moral and theological standards the the moral and theological standards that we strive for that we labor for they don't earn anything Mm. and so from this perspective what God is saying is is complicated so complicated so convoluted almost contrived and yet this is the turning point and yet through another lens it's just so simple it's not so simple let me read to you from matthew 22 verse 37 jesus replied love the lord your god with all your heart and with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. So we'll just stop there for a second. So whatever we believe, whatever we think, whatever we understand, know this, that is ground zero. That is the foundation. That is the basis on everything. First and greatest. Just love God. Love God. Love God. And and that's, that's the starting point. That's where it begins. Not what can you do, what can't you do, what can you stop yourself from doing. Love God. Just love God. With what? With all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And the second is like it. The second is like it. So if you can do the first one, rest assured, the second one is just like it. It's, it's not that much different. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. On these two commandments. Love God and love your neighbor. If you want to show love to Jesus, then you love God. That's one plus one. If we want to get mathematical still, that's easy. That's simple. That is not complicated. The second thing, love people. How? Well, love them in the same way that you hope that God loves you. The way that God loves you, well, that's how you love people. The way that you want to be loved, the way that you need to be loved, that's how we love other people. It's so simple because 
Actually, the way it looks, it's not an equation, it's a picture. The picture is that of a family. We are the child. We are the sons and we are the daughters. God is the father and everybody else around us, whether they're in church or whether they're not in church, is our brother and our sister. Everyone is family. It's a family. And because it's family and you see it through that prism of family, from that perspective of family, there could not be anything simpler. It is not complicated. We love the lost. You're not lost. They're lost. You have a family. And so do they. They just don't know it. Because they don't know that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And they don't know how lost and how powerless that they are. But you do. Not to lord it over them. Because you are able to guide the way. You are able to bring a message of love. A message of family. A message of acceptance and inclusion and belonging. To those who do not know it. We show God love by spending time with him. With with having communications and and intimacy with him. And it's no different than with our neighbor. It's not a, it's so often it it feels like a pass by. That you walk past, how are you doing? Doing good, that's enough. But it's not, it's it's not a pass by. It's It's not just walking past and paying lip service. It's. It's about the time, the pause, the interlude that it takes to, to take someone in, to, to, to recognize them, to, to, to see the loss that is on their face, to see the, the, the powerlessness in their words and, and be able to draw them in as a brother, as a sister, as a member of your family. You know the way, it's the way is Jesus. It's because it's the way that leads to the Father. He's the path that's already been forged. The blueprint to our thinking, the template to our actions. And knowing this, it it changes the entire context, the entire understanding of that whole thing that we read. Him in God, you in him, and him in you. That just means that we are, we are recognizable. We are identifiable by, as part of the family. We, we yearn for the lost in exactly the same way. We have that same expression on our hearts. Have you ever heard that saying, he's got a lot of his father in him? He's got a lot of his father in him. We express, we, we epitomize the family trait. He ha- we have him in us. We epitomize that. We express the family trait. How do we know that we're family? Because we've not been left as orphans. Yeah, we've not been left as orphans. We're adopted. We're adopted. And not like as a second class citizen. We are adopted into the family. The family of God. You and I are a part of. Every one of us has been brought into that family. And we, we have an understanding. We know what God has placed on the inside. And what does that do? It echoes out of us. It mirrors from us. We mirror the love of God that we have recognized into the world. Into the neighbor. Into the friend. Into the family. Into the father. Into the, to, to the, the daughter. Into the people around our lives. Everyone. We take that love and echo it. And mirror it to the world. Ask for anything in his name. 
It's just, it's integrated into this whole purpose born of a family perspective. Anything required to attest to his family, to, to, to bring glory to his family, to bring understanding of his family, to bring understanding of God, then we have an advocate in the Holy Spirit whom, whom is bound in that common purpose. We have that common purpose. And it's a simple purpose, a purpose that is supported by him. He is our encourager, our helper. He is the presence <laughs> That we require to uphold and channel the passion on the inside. We find ourselves, we are nourished on the fruits of the Spirit. The fruits of the Spirit nourish us that we can fulfill the calling upon our lives. All the Father's glory. All for the Father's glory. This is the cool thing. The family is his glory. It's his most treasured vessel that he pours himself into we are his glory we are his family he pours himself into us that we would reflect it into the world if we believe in Jesus we believe in what he's doing that mankind is his greatest love and it is our devotion also we carry that his works become our works because we want the same thing so often we get, we get caught up in the headline miracles. And Jesus' headline miracles, raising people from the dead and, and all the, the amazingness. And we account that to greatness. But greatness is souls redeemed. Yeah. Greatness is souls redeemed. God empowers us at times. He anoints us to see miracles, to see healing. That is, that is amazing. But that is, that is the, 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 the grace of God. That is his power and his virtue poured out to mankind. It's not ours. It's not our place to decide where and when. It is our place to respond. But know this, that heaven rejoices. Can you imagine heaven rejoicing? It must be a sight beyond sights. And it rejoices over one sinner who returns home. That is greatness right there. Don't get it back to front. Greatness is a sinner returned home. And God's house has many, has many rooms. And there is a place there for anyone who believes. To know God is to enter into a relationship with him. It's so simple. It's so simple because Jesus afforded us the access. That's why it's so simple. All roads lead through Jesus. It is so simple because he made a way. He built a bridge that we can come and now we know the way. He is the way. A simple way that he made for us. Can I get someone to play Twinkle Twinkle on the laptop? (laughs) Thank you, Andy. (laughs) Or whatever you want to play. He is with us. Can we all stand, actually? The presence of God is just. It is transformative. It elevates all that we do, all that we think, all that we sow, all that we minister. It elevates those things. It catapults us into the extra mile presence of God is it it helps us go further 
and easier than we ever could on our own capacity, on our own understanding. It's his presence. It's the place that we belong. Last week, I shared this during the prayer meeting, but uh, I'm going to share it again. Last week, during worship, I think it was during both worships, actually, I just felt the presence of God like I hadn't felt it in in such a long time. And, and it, it wasn't like an extraordinary day. I, didn't, I came in with the same sort of troubles and things that play upon a person's mind than, than probably most people. It, it wasn't an unusual week. It, it was just the same old, same old. And, and yet I came in and God just, he broke through all of the sort of the challenges. He broke through all of the burdens and all the things that we carry. And he just encountered me during his presence. That just during the worship, he came through and he just, he altered my thinking. He, I, I remember just being moved, so powerfully moved. And I, I came with, with all these sort of questions on the inside. Not, not questions for God, but just questions of life. The questions of how do I see this happen? How do I resolve this? How do I do this? How do I do all the things? And, and which, which is the things that drown us, the things that burden us, the things that, that just cramp our style. And yet, I left. I went to work on Monday. And you know what I didn't have? God didn't give me any solutions. Didn't give me any solutions. What he did was he just simply changed me. He just simply changed me. Like, I don't really know how to put it any other way than that. And it was just through worship and nobody said anything to me. And it wasn't like I had a blaring voice in my ear. God didn't suddenly break. It was just this encounter with God in a place of worship. And it just changed everything. The, the, the acceptance, the, the belonging that, that sometimes you just take for granted, but in actual fact, you just hold it in your mind, but not in your heart, not in your soul. You don't allow your spirit to connect with it. And yet, just in the presence of God, all of that stuff came into alignment. And I left, and I went into the week ahead, and nothing had changed except for me, and that was all that needed to change, because all of the things that slowed me down, all of the drag... All of the stuff that that plays upon my mind was reframed by the presence of God to being something that could just be walked past, be walked over, could be sort of said, you know what, that is insignificant. That is not worth my time because I know what I am about. I am about my father's work. I am about my family. I am about seeing this city changed in the same way that I have recognized a change take place in a moment unexpected his presence is 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 life altering it is reality transforming it is mind bending it is mind bending because so often our minds are crooked and God bends it back into alignment brings a brings a clarity to our thoughts Thanks for listening. If you have any questions or you'd like to find out contact information or service times, then don't forget to visit our website, www.thejunctionchurch.com. God bless.